Thanks, Lord. Thank you again for all that you've done for us. And I just pray that our praise back to you in in some way um, helps express our heart of gratitude to you for what you've done. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. So like Glenn said, we're super subs. I'm the less super sub. But I'm not, I'm not subbed in, but I feel like we've been all excited. We've had a great um, Easter and we had some fantastic preaching on Good Friday and we had some fantastic preaching on Sunday. So, you know, whatever goes up, that's got to come down sometime. So, welcome to this morning. It's good to have you here. Now, I feel like I should introduce myself because I'm not in the room a lot of the time because I'm usually out with kids. Because I'm Steve, I'm the Kids and Families Pastor. Um, and today I want to talk about discipling our children. So I should give you my credentials. If I'm going to tell you what you should do with your kids, then you know I've got to back that up. So uh, my first kids summer camp I did when I was about 20 and I did them for five years straight after that because I was so impressed with them. Uh, on and off I've been teaching in sort of Sunday school or kids church for probably 27 plus years. Um, I've been primary school chaplain for the last 10 years but I think my best credentials are Tom, Will and Ruth. They're my three kids, they're adults um, and they are the most fantastic human beings I know apart from Pastor Jackie. So they're my best credentials in talking about kids. So thinking about kids, thinking about the Bible, you might ask, well, what does, you know, what does Bible actually say about kids? So we are going to play Scripture or Say So. Okay, so I want to, you know, see whether you people really know things or not. Okay, so our very first comment, our very first phrase is, a family that prays together stays together. In the Bible or is it just say so? Hands up for Bible. Oh, okay, answer is, very good, it's anonymous, it's say so. Okay, next one. If you love your kids, beat them. In the Bible, or is it say so? Hands up for Bible. Okay. It is in Proverbs. Absolutely. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. We'll come back to that. Okay, next one. Children should be seen and not heard. Bible or say so, no hands. Very good. May be true, but it doesn't mean it's in the Bible. Okay, small children won't let you sleep, bigger children won't let you live. Now, is that wisdom or what? Is it in the Bible though? Oh, no takers for the Bible. Very good, close, it's Yiddish, getting closer. Okay, true. A silly son is a pain to his mum. Now, that's true. Got a couple of Bible takers and it's... Absolutely in Proverbs. Okay. A foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to the mother who bore him. Okay, the best way to make children good is to make them happy. What do you think, Bible? Uh, (laughs) Muttering, okay. And the answer is Oscar Wilde. Uh, Next one. Dads, don't annoy your kids. Yeah. Uh, I hear lots of Bible out there, that's right. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Very good. And the last one, what children hear their parents say by the fireside, they repeat in the highway. 
true, but is it in the Bible? Oh, we've got one taker for a Bible. And it is, it's a, it's a proverb, it's a Spanish proverb. But that's okay, we'll come back to that. Okay, so we're talking about discipling your kids. So just before people check out thinking, oh, well, you know, I don't have kids, my kids have all grown up, um, I'm never going to have kids, uh, I still feel like a kid myself, that sort of thing. Just remember that every time we have a baby dedication, um, we as a congregation, we all support that family and we all consent and agree that we will help them to bring those children up knowing, knowing the Lord the best we can. We're going to help the parents, we're going to help the child. Um, so for all the kids that come into our building, and we like to, we are a home for all, and we like to think of this as family, no matter who you are, you are part of that family, you are part of um, the world that those kids see and interact with, particularly the Christian world, so you act as role models. You might be a role model grandparent or an uncle or an aunt or an older sibling or a cousin, but you are, you do have an influence. So hopefully this morning... Um, is not just for parents, hopefully there'll be something for everybody. So I thought, when I was preparing this, I thought, um, I'll just Google, you know, top 10 ways to disciple kids, and I'll dazzle you all with that, and I'll be finished. So I whacked it into Google, uh, top 10 ways to disciple kids, this is what I got. Effective discipline for children. Seven steadfast ways to discipline a child without backfiring. Disciplining your child for parents. How to discipline your child, top three techniques. Ten ways to discipline your child. Five discipline strategies that actually work. Now, I know before somebody points it out that that's Google autocorrect doing its thing. But it really struck me that I put in discipling and I get discipline. So I sort of thought about that and I thought, if we think about that Proverbs verse, Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them, you know, maybe they do go together. And we know that if we talk about Christian discipline, or if you definitely, if you see it in the media, it's a bit of a dirty word, it's a bad thing. Um, it Usually people hear that or read that and think of uh, physical abuse. So, when we read discipline in the Bible, because, you know, it's there in Proverbs, doesn't mean what we think it means. So, the Hebrew word that they use there, um, musor, 30 times when it's used, it means instruction. Eight times it means correction, eight times to chasten, four times chastisement, three times to check. So, we sort of got stuck on our English translation of discipline and we think of physical punishment. But the Bible, when it's used in the original Hebrew, it's by far used just to mean instruction or teaching or correction, not beating your kids to make them better. And you've got to remember the way that's phrased in Proverbs, where it says, you know, whoever spares the rod, in the cultural setting that that was and the time that was. It's a fiercely patriarchal society, they still fight wars hand to hand, um, people would beat slaves and things like that. So, a certain amount of physical correction was, was normal for them, something that isn't normal for us. So, we've, you can't take that away from it either. But I don't think a Bible 
where Paul is writing in the New Testament and he says, masters, you mustn't even threaten your slaves. Now, you could beat a slave if they did the wrong thing because they were like a dog or a donkey or anything like that. But Paul says you can't even threaten them or you shouldn't even threaten them as a Christian master. I'm sure the Bible that says that is not telling us to hit our kids in Proverbs. So in the context that people would have heard that, um, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them, they would have heard that as, if you don't take the time to correct and instruct your child, you don't really love them. So it's not just talking about punishing your kids. So the word disciple translates as teach, learn, instruct in that way of discipling somebody. So if we think of discipline in that biblical context of mainly meaning instruction, discipline and disciple do go together because they both point towards that instruction and correction and teaching. Um, Probably a side note, today we don't, you know, we don't condone physical punishment of kids, which is a good thing. But certainly, I come across a lot of parents who um, use emotional punishment or use psychological punishment, and I would argue that um, a lot of the damage they do is probably equivalent to physical punishment. But we, people talk about what's the, the current, you know, politically correct way to discipline your kids, but you don't hear a lot of people talking about the need to instruct them and the need to, to train them as part of that. So when we think about that biblical definition of discipline, um, it helps other verses make sense. Elsewhere in Proverbs 13, it says, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to discipline, meaning instruction. Proverbs 29, verse 17, discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. So it's very much talking about that, instructing them, teaching them. Now... There's a philosopher, Epictetus, and he asked his students why they came to him and sat in his school. Because they were learning how to argue things and, you know, be really clever and that sort of stuff. And he said, argue, are you coming to learn because you want to be really clever so that when you go out you can dazzle people with your oratory and the way you can argue logic with them? Or are you coming to me to learn because you want a better life for yourself, you want to be a better human being. Because he was saying, if you're just doing it to learn how to argue better, go home, go away, don't waste your time, it's a, it's a pointless thing. And I just bring that up because often um, I know as a Christian parent, you know, we get the guilts sometimes and we sort of think, oh, you know, I'm not discipling my kids because I'm, you know, not doing the five top things of having a family thing and doing that activity afterwards and then, you know, and we sort of beat ourselves up about it. So when we talk about discipling our kids, it needs to come from the right place. It doesn't need to come from wanting to look like good Christian parents to the other Christian parents around us or to our small group. It needs to come from our real desire to see our kids get to know God um, and understand His love for them. So what you do, it doesn't matter what it looks like, if you are helping your kids towards God. So don't, um, please don't get the guilts if you, you know, read little articles or media articles and go, oh no, we're not all getting together and praying together. Oh no, I'm not leading a family devotion. Oh no, we didn't go on a like a Bible camp thing. Um, Because it's the heart of where it comes from that really, really matters. 
Okay. If kids, can you come up here? Because I need your help from here. Yep, quick. It's got to be really quick. <clears throat> Otherwise, this is a drag on for ages and everyone will be bored. They're bored already, so it's good. Okay, down here, down here. Okay. Yep, quick, 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 quick. Okay. So this is the yes side over here, right? This is the no side over here. Okay. We're just going to do a quick poll just to find out some things. This isn't to find out who's got the best family, who's got the cleverest parents. But okay. Who barracks for the same footy team as at least one of your parents? This is the yes side. That's the no side. Okay. Very good. Okay. Next question. Who wants to grow up to do what their parents do? One of their parents do, at least. That's the no side. <laughs> oh, yeah, a bit of truth being told there. I like it. Okay. Who wishes there was more time in the day to spend with their parents? Right answer. Okay. <laughs> Take note, parents. Okay, who's ever been told off for using the same words they heard their parents use? Yeah, you know that happens. Okay, who reads the Bible as a whole family, where the whole family gets together and reads the Bible? Cool. Okay. Who prays as a whole family? So, not, not just saying thanks when we have a meal, but who gets together and prays as a whole family? Yeah, you can go if you like. Yeah, come on, McLaren. Very good. Okay, very good. Who eats at least one meal a day together as a family with no TVs, no devices, and no phones, including adults? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Okay. Whose family talks about what they learned at church on a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday evening? So if you go home this afternoon, whose family kind of talks about church after they go home? Cool. This is good. This is interesting data. Okay. Whose family talks about what they learned at church during the week? So not just on Sunday, but during the week, the rest of the week. Cool. Okay. Who talks about what you learnt in kids' church with an adult? Yeah, it's all right. There's no yes, there's no right or wrong answers. It's just information. Last one. Who uses the Parent Q app with an adult? Yeah, if you say what, you're on this side. Okay. Very good. I will explain that later. Thank you very much. Go have a seat. Well done, guys. So there's all different, there's different things we do that influence our kids. And like I said, there's no right or wrong. Um, when I was, you know, a younger parent, I used to worry that you're doing things the right way or the wrong way. Um, I think it's just the way you do them and the way that works for your family. So apart from some proverbs, um, talking about wise and foolish kids, where does the idea of ac actually discipling your kids come from? Like, is it a biblical thing that we should disciple our kids or is it just something that 
churches invent to make us feel guilty. In Deuteronomy, after the law was given, Deuteronomy 4, uh, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on that day you stood before the Lord, your God at Horeb, and the Lord said to me, gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. Deuteronomy 6, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. And again in Deuteronomy 11, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Um, In fact, the whole book of Proverbs is basically parent talking to a child. Um, they're probably slightly older than these guys were, but they're teaching them wisdom about life and they're teaching uh, about uh, following God. In the New Testament, in Ephesians 6, um, verse 4, fathers do not exasperate your children, instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And in Matthew 28, of course, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, children are part of that great commission. In fact, I'd argue as a parent, they're your most immediate mission field. They're the one you have the most influence over uh, and probably the one that you're going to love most dearly and want to see come to Christ. So, instruction of kids is important um, in what it means to follow Jesus. It's the responsibility of family. I mean, Scripture makes that really crystal clear that it's the responsibility of family. But it's the responsibility of church family as well when we gather gather together. Like I said, this is a home for all and we are all family. So let me say a couple of things about discipling kids in a Christian way. It's a very ordinary thing. We can see from Deuteronomy, when you sit at home, when you walk along the way, when you get up in the morning it was to be a part of their everyday life. It wasn't to be a, okay, kids, now we're going to sit and we're going to have our little spiritual, we're going to teach you about God time and then we're going to get on with our life. It was said that way because it was, you know, I want you to talk about it as part of your life. Um, Just the same way you live your Christian life. And along with being very ordinary, it's very counter-cultural. Like, depending on what the current culture says, there will be the politically correct way we should think about how kids should learn stuff. Um, You know, they should just be allowed to explore and work things out for themselves. Uh, We should just give them all the options and all the information and they'll just work it out for themselves. So, current culture will give you a lot of information like that. Um, But as the Bible would say, it's counter to that. It says, no, you have to specifically teach them and train them about God and about Jesus. We often think of discipleship, when we say the word discipleship, we think of adults, we think of Jesus and the disciples, we think of uh, adult small groups or at least youth and we're discipling people but it includes kids as well. So even in Christian culture it's a little bit counter-cultural that we need to be discipling kids as well. 
Um, and it's not an optional lifestyle choice. It's not, okay, I'm a pretty good parent, and, but I want to I go to the A1 super Christian parent category, so I'm going to add discipling, and we're going to do that for a while and see how that works. You don't have that as, a, as an option. It's not an option, it's a command. He says, you will teach them to your children. But, so we don't have an option to say, oh, I'm not very good at that. Oh, it doesn't work for us. Um, it's a command. We have to do it. How you do it can look very, very different. Some of them can look um, very pretty and very, dare I say, American, because that's normally where they come up, where you get the homely little family gathered round and dad's reading the Bible and all the shiny-faced little kids are looking up at him and it's all wonderful and peaceful. Sometimes that works for families really well. I'm not trying to put it down, but I am saying didn't work in my family, it's not what we did um, and it doesn't work in a lot of families and that's okay. But it's not an option, you've got to do something to disciple your kids. A very important thing to remember, you're not responsible for your child's salvation, okay? Your duty is to help them learn about Jesus, learn about God, um, teach them the things that God has done, Show them how God has worked in your life, why God is so important and relevant to you and real to you. Whether they choose to follow him is up to them. So it is heartbreaking if they don't, but it's not your fault if they don't. So don't ever forget that. It's not a failure as a parent. Um, as long as you've done your best you've done your best. The rest is between them and God, same as it is with anybody else. Just because they're kids doesn't change that. Um, it's definitely not a way of manipulating or controlling family either. You shouldn't use, um, use those sort of things that talk about God and what God would think and how Jesus would act in your family. Don't use them as threats. Don't use them to make them feel guilty about things just because you want to, oh, well, you know, what would Jesus think about you taking that last biscuit? Mm, he can see you, you know. You know, what would Jesus think about you not brushing your teeth last night? Nah, don't do that. Um, God knows what your heart is. When you, whatever you talk about, He knows where that comes from. So don't be that person. And it's not an easy path. It's not the path of least resistance. So if you want easy parenting, don't try and be a Christian parent. Because even Jesus says it's the narrow path, it's the tough path. And it is with our kids as well. Um, but it's, you know, we know it's the way we want to go. And it requires your own um, self-discipline and discipleship to be able to teach d discipleship. Jesus said to his followers, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. So he said, you've got to do what I do. When Paul's writing his letters um, in 1 Corinthians, he says, therefore I urge you to imitate me. So even Paul says, look at my life, okay? So you need to be the one who is teaching and the one they look to because a disciple is a follower, someone who's learning off a teacher or a leader. Um, so for your kids, you are that person. You know, for your kids, they're your little disciples and they live in your life just like Jesus' disciples did and they watch everything you do. They watch the words you say. I mean, 
you know, I hate to think if my kids had written Gospels about what Dad said about different things. It wouldn't, wouldn't be as nice as the ones in the Bible, that's for sure. Um, but it's a big responsibility. But it's your responsibility. So, quick think about um, teaching and instructing. Because in our current society, we tend to abdicate a lot of responsibility to teaching to professionals, which is a good thing. So, you'll have to excuse some of my maths here, just in case anyone's actually doing the maths. John. Um, so, hours at school or homeschooling. So, you say you've got about seven hours a day. Two of those are spent uh, playing, eating, waiting to go home, not to mention lining up, changing classes, brain food breaks, waiting for everyone else in the class to finish. Um, so, you've got about 40 weeks in the year, five days a week, that's about a thousand hours a year. Um, is that fair enough for a formal education in numeracy and literacy? Yeah, probably. I don't know, a thousand hours sounds like a lot to me. So, that's all right. Hours at church, two hours total, because I know you're all going to turn up on time. Uh, 45 minutes in kids' church, 36 weeks of the year. So, it works out. Somehow, I worked it out at 24 hours. And I think that's because I wanted it to be 24 hours, but it's actually 27 hours. Um, so, teaching kids for 27 hours or round about a day's worth for the year. Is that enough to teach them about God and Jesus? I'm thinking probably not. Hours at home, depending on bedtimes, but let's say four hours on a weekday, 10 on weekends. That's 40 hours a week during the school term, 40 weeks, so 1,600 hours. Plus holidays at 70 hours a week for 12 weeks, so that's around 840. So roughly all up 2,400 hours, or another way to look at it, roughly, a hundred times more than the time they spend at church. So that tells you how much more influence you have on your kids. Um, kids' church is a great thing and, and we hope we have a really positive influence on them, but you've got a hundred times at least more influence. Probably more because of their relationship with you, but, you know... One distinction with that, though, is we can have kids in our home and we can interact with our kids in our home. Now, I know we can't be playing games with them all the time and things like that, but how much time do they spend doing something on their own or on a device and we're on a phone and something like that? And we, we kind of think, oh, yeah, I'm around the kids, you know, they're playing over there, but I'm absorbed in something over here something to think about, whether those hours actually count or not. So, you're in a powerful position of being a teacher. You're, you are the philosopher that your kids are sitting at the feet of and learning. And then we come back to that Spanish proverb, what children hear their parents say by the fireside, they repeat in the highway. And we saw that with who says things they get in trouble with, that mum and dad said. It happens to all of us. They are the great imitators. They, kids will watch you and they'll follow your truth, not necessarily what you say. Your attitudes, your behaviour, your beliefs, um, that all flows from what they learn from you. It's um, how you spend your time, 
what your priorities are, what you talk about, how you talk about things, how you talk about people. Um, in so many ways, they'll become like you, the good bits and the bad bits. And just as Jesus was, you, you're that leader 24-7. You're their rabbi, if you like. And it's the same for us in church. You know, might say, oh, well, I haven't got kids in my home. That's okay, it lets me off the hook. But when you're in church or when you're interacting with a family that has kids, um, you know, how do you worship? When the kids are looking around, they're seeing you worshiping. How are you passionately worshiping or are you checking your phone? Um, do you turn up on time? How do you greet each other? How do you talk about other people who aren't in that immediate circle? Because kids hear all these things. They see all these things. Um, how do you help out people who need help? How do you serve around the church? Because once again, um, we don't realise how much they watch and how much they see, and that's how they learn. Oh, OK, that's, that's the attitude I should have towards giving. Oh, that's the attitude I should have towards serving. Oh, that's the attitude. Oh, it's OK to run someone down if they're not with you, but if they're with you, I've got to be nice. That's what they learn, and they learn it from us. So we have to discipline ourselves. You know, what example am I setting? Am I patient? Do I lose my temper? Do I judge others? Um, do I pray daily? Do I read my Bible? Do I talk, do I talk about what I learned on Sunday during the week? Because hopefully when we turn up, you know, God has something for all of us every week. Do I spend time talking with others about tricky problems and decisions that I face in life in the light of following Christ? Um, and even down to how we treat our bodies, which God has given us. You know, do I look after my health? Do I try and eat well? Do I try and get enough sleep? Um, do I watch how I talk to others? Do I care what I watch and listen to? You know, we talk about, we talk a lot about worrying about what our kids are exposed to. Do we worry about we're, what we are exposed to? So the best discipling tip I have for you is to set your own spiritual life in order first. So no amount of talks and prayers and things that look good will matter much to kids if you're not living it out in front of their eyes. Um, and like I said, that's the same when we come to church. If we're not living out that Christian message as we're loving each other um, and helping each other, kids will see that and they'll know that. So you just want to try and be, um, try your best to become the man or woman you want your child to become when they grow up. And in church, be the kind of person you want those kids to grow into in your church. If we want uh, kids who greet strangers, if we want kids who are going to serve on teams, if we want kids who joyfully join into worship, then you have to do that because you're the one they're learning of. So that said, um, my other tips specifically about kids... So probably more for parents or grandparents. Be curious about what they learn and what they think uh, in all aspects of their life, not just Christian stuff, but everything. Um, because just think about it, is your Christian life limited to, you know, just what you hear on a Sunday and, that, and that's it? Because it shouldn't be. It should be your whole life. So be curious about what they learn and what they think. Be curious about what they learn at church. Um, and that's why I mentioned the Parent Q app. So if you're a parent, 
the Parent Q app is a very handy thing that which tracks along with what we're learning in Kids Church. So it gives you um, a good idea of the lesson they're learning, the good idea of the main point we're trying to get across, the Bible verse it comes from, uh, some conversation starters so you can talk about that topic with your kids. And we all know that that is the best way to unpack and understand a concept is to talk about it. And it's the same for you guys. If you, if you go home from a Sunday and you don't have a chat with someone about whatever was presented on the Sunday, it's very unlikely you'll unpack it enough to do much with it. So the ParentQ app is a really good thing. It's a free download. Let me know if you need any info on it. Um, help your kids sort through the tricky problems and decisions they face in their lives in the light of knowing Jesus. So don't tell them what to think or tell them what to do but help them work through their problems in, in the light of wanting to try and follow Jesus. Because we know that it's, it's not as simple. Often we take the shortcut and they tell us, oh, you know, this person was mean to me at school. You know, and we say, oh, well, you should forgive them because that's what Jesus would do. Good advice. But if I was your kid, I'd say, well, how do I do that? What does that look like? To forgive them what words do i use how, how you know how do i even start with that so you need to help them work through those things rather than just telling them what to do um, you definitely need to model for them how to pray about problems um, how to praise god for the good things how to wait with patience on god's answer um, they need to see that you depend on god as well there's nothing wrong i don't think for families to include kids in family discussions about important things coming up and praying together you know letting them know that you don't have all the answers is not a, a weakness um, but showing them that you depend on god is a as a real strength read the bible with them definitely but help them to understand how it applies to their life they should be able to answer the so what question and that's the question um, i say to kids in kids church and i would say to anyone who comes to any church if they sit and listen to somebody they should be able to at the end of that talk say well so what what does that mean to me because if it's just useful information about the bible or useful information about what some old hebrew word meant it's no use to you um, so you should be able to answer that so what does that mean to me as a christian so kids need help with that too it's great for them to learn Bible stories, learn about Bible heroes and learn about what Jesus did, but they need to know why that's important to them because otherwise it's just interesting information. Pray with them about the good and the bad and that's pray with them. Um, it always amuses me that when we get together as adults and we're in small groups, how we hate to pray out loud. Um, and I'm the same as everybody else, and it's really awkward and it's really sticky until everyone really gets to know each other and they relax a little bit. Um, and kids are the same. So um, you can pray for them, and hopefully you would be praying for them, but pray with them as well. Show them how simple it is just to talk to a loving Father, a loving God, and encourage them to do that. And encourage them to try practical ways to live out God's instruction for them like I said about being patient or forgiving or helping others or being inclusive or not judging people um, help them to work out how they do that in their little life with their little group of people around them um, overall I think Jesus 
using the prodigal son parable is probably the best big guide, if you want. Um, you need to absorb their pain and anger and confusion without judging, which is what the father does in that. The younger son says, um, pretty much means, I wish you were dead, I want my inheritance. So the father doesn't go into a great big tirade, he goes, you know, that's disappointing, but okay, here you are. Um, he just accepts that. You act towards them with humility, but be steadfast in your, in your mission of loving them and following God, which is what the father does when the son comes back. He doesn't give him a big lecture on what he, where he went wrong. He's quite humble. He runs to meet him. There's a whole um, lot of teaching about that, of how it was countercultural for this patriarch to be running to this younger son. But we need to be that. We can act towards them in humility. And that's something it took me a long time to learn with my family. Because um, I, I would tend to be, I was the older brother, you know, I tended, no, I, I can tell you where you went wrong and, you know, we're going to have this discussion. It doesn't work. You need, it's okay to be, show humility with your kids and allow them to come to you and just keep loving them. Um, and yeah, overall, let love be your driving motivation in, in why you're discipling your kids. Um, we want them to have a good life, we want them to, to know Jesus, but it's because we love them. It's not because we're worried about what people say about us as, as parents. Um, don't care about what people say about you as parents. Care about what God thinks. And because you love your kids and you want him, want them to know him, that, that should be your driving force. So I'll leave you with Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Um, and like I said, their salvation doesn't depend on you, but being the best role model you can is the best way you can disciple your kids. Let's just pray while you guys come back up again. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord. Thank you for the awesome responsibility that children are. I thank you that you trust us um, to be their leader, uh, to be their rabbi, that they become our disciples. Lord, I pray you make us worthy of that task. Lord, as we worship you in these next couple of songs, help us to reflect on our lives, how well we are do, doing, being that role model, how well we are doing being Jesus to the kids around us, and the ones not related to us, the ones we just see at church, the ones we see in our street. If they were to look at us and think, well, Jesus must be like that, what would they see? So, Lord, I pray that you um, convict us, but gently as you always do, because you're a loving Father. Uh, but help us have the courage to, and self-discipline um, to improve our own spiritual life so we can be that good role model so we can be that loving father like you are a loving father so we can be that source of wisdom from you that doesn't necessarily give us everything we want but you help us work through our problems and you give us what we need 
Say, Lord, for all the parents, grandparents, and all the people in our church family, Lord, I pray you give them a heart for discipling our kids. Um, You open their eyes to the kids around them. And you just strengthen their relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.